the first book of Samuel and we'll turn to chapter 6 chapter 6 the ark of God in a foreign country we looked at a few points on the, in the life of Samuel previously so let's carry on just with this episode in which Samuel is not mentioned actually so we'll read chapter 6 of First Samuel And the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. And they said, If ye send away the ark of God of Israel, send it not empty, but in any wise return him a trespass offering, then ye shall be healed, and it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then they said, What shall be the trespass offering which we shall return to him? They answered, thus the diviners and the priests of the Philistines. They answered, Five golden emeralds and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines, for one plague on you all and on your lords. Wherefore ye shall make images of your emeralds and images of your mice that mar the land. And ye shall give glory unto the God of Israel. Peradventure he will lighten his hand from off you and from off your gods and from off your land. Wherefore then do ye harden your hearts as the Egyptians... And Pharaoh hardened their hearts. They knew, they knew all about what had happened to the Egyptians and what had happened to Pharaoh, these people. How God had dealt with them and how Pharaoh had hardened his heart. When he had wrought wonderfully among them, did they not let the people go? And they departed. Now therefore make a new cart and take two milch kine on which there hath come no yoke and tie the kine to the cart and bring their calves home from them. And take the ark of the Lord and lay it upon the cart and put the jewels of gold which ye return him for a trespass offering in a coffer by the side thereof and send it away that it may go. And see if it goeth up by the way of of his own coast to Beth Shemesh, then he hath done this great evil. But if not, then ye shall know that it is not his hand that smote us, it was a chance that happened to us. And the men did so, and took two milch kine, and tied them to the cart, and shut up their calves at home. They laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart and the coffer with the mice of gold and the images of their emeralds. And the kine took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemesh and went along the highway, lowing as they went and turning not aside to the right hand or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them onto the border of Beth Shemesh. And they of Bethshemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark, and rejoiced to see it. And the cart came into the field of Joshua at Bethshemite, and stood there, 
where there was a great stone, and they cleaved the wood of the cart and offered the kine as a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the coffer that was with it, wherein the jewels of gold were, and put them on the great stone. And the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices the same day unto the Lord. And when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. It's only a distance of about 20 miles the cattle had gone. And these are the golden emeralds which the Philistines returned for a trespass offering unto the Lord. For Ashdod, one. For Gaza, one. For Ascalon, one. For Gath, one. And for Ekron, one. And the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines, belonging to the five lords, both of fenced cities and of country villages, even unto the great stone of Abel, whereon they set down the ark of the Lord, which stone remaineth unto this day in the field of Joshua the Beth Shemite. There were an awful lot of mice, golden mice. There weren't just five, because they gave mice for all the villages and for all the cities and towns that had been affected by the plague of mice. And he smote the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord, even he smote the people, fifty thousand and threescore and ten men. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. It apparently is a translation problem there which people discuss there were about 70 men the three score and ten men were the ones that were were uh, slaughtered by God killed by God and the men of Beth Shemesh said who is able to stand before this holy God and to whom shall he go up from us and they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kirjath Jarum saying, The Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it up to you. The men of Kirjath, Jerem, came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eliezer his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kirjath, Jerem, that the time was long for it was twenty years and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord that's quite a long reading and but we'll try and see if we can get a message for, from it this morning verse 1 it said that the ark of the Lord was in the country the feeling was apparently that they had put it out of the cities because every town and every city they put it into, it caused problems. And it was in the field. In chapter 5 we saw that they brought it into the house of their pagan god, Dagon. Dagon was a, a, a terrible god. He was half man and apparently half fish. Loathsome. But did you ever look at all these pagan gods that we see images of? Quite a lot of them are quite loathsome. They're not something you would be attracted to. The elephant-headed elephant god and all these other gods that we see outside pagan temples, they're, they're not attractive gods. But in any case, this god fell 
and then they put him up again and he fell again and broke himself on the threshold of the door of the temple and ever after that when the priests went into the temple nobody stood on the threshold but then in, in verse, verse 6 of, of chapter 5 the, the hand of the Lord was heavy upon Ashdod God brought these, this plague of hemorrhoids uh, emeralds as they call them uh, and the plague of mice terrible plague of mice throughout the whole land so they called a meeting of the lords of the Philistines and they said we want to get rid of this because the hand of the Lord is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God so they sent they got the lords of the Philistines and they sent the the um, the Ark of the Covenant to Gath it wasn't long in Gath it had disastrous results there the people suffered this plague again and then they sent it to Ekron and the, Ekron, the Ekronites cried out saying they have brought about the Ark of God to Israel to us to slay us and our people nobody wanted it so they sent and they gathered all in verse 11 of chapter 5 they gathered the lords of the Philistines again and they said send the ark of God of Israel send it away and let it go again to its own place that it slay us not and our people for there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city the hand of God was very sore there how sad when you think of it, isn't it? They had the, the symbol of the presence of God right there in the midst of them. And all they were trying to do was to get rid of it. Get rid of it. You see, sinful man cannot abide the presence of Almighty God. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, way back in the the end of the New Testament we have these words unto you therefore which believe he is precious he is precious but unto them which be disobedient the stone which the builders disallowed the same is made the head of the corner and is a stone of stumbling a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient whereunto also they were appointed. The God of Israel to these people was, was a stumbling block. He was causing problems. It's like us. To us the Lord Jesus Christ is precious. He's lovely. He's the altogether lovely one. The fairest of ten thousand. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. But to those outside, he's a stumbling block. They don't want anything to do with him. Right from the Garden of Eden, when man sinned in the Garden of Eden, he couldn't stand to be in the presence of God. He didn't want God. He hid himself from God. It is only because of Christ's righteousness that we will be fit for heaven and be able to abide and stay in the presence of God otherwise we couldn't we wouldn't want to be in the presence of God who shall ascend onto the hill of the Lord who shall stand in his holy place 
Who is capable of standing in the presence of God? That's what the psalmist was asking. He said, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Who shall stand in the presence of God? Only those with a clean heart, whose hearts have been cleansed from sin, who have been clothed in the righteousness of God. They say that if, 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 if a, a sinner ever got into heaven, he wouldn't want to stay there. He wouldn't be able to stand in the presence of God. It is only those who are redeemed who will be happy in heaven. Otherwise, they wouldn't want to stand in the presence of God. And so, this whole situation with the ark, for seven months it went around the villages and the towns. Nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted it. And so we come to chapter 6 and it says the ark was out in the country. They, it, they put it out of, the, out of the cities and out of the towns. Nobody wanted it. But yet, the plague of emeralds piles terribly distressing. And mice. One was marring the people the other was marring the land. It said they marred the land. There were so many mice. So they called in their priests and their diviners. And these men seem to have some knowledge of the religion of the Jews. They had been oppressing Israel for many years. And they knew something of the religious habits of Israel and they ask these diviners what shall we do to the ark of the Lord what shall we do with the ark of the Lord what an important question they ask these men to to, to, to reply to it reminded me of what Pontius Pilate said what shall I do then with Jesus what are we going to do with the God of Israel? What are we going to do with him? Because they thought the ark was the God in some way. But God had come to dwell amongst the people of Israel. And now these people wanted to get rid of the symbol, the emblem of the God of Israel. What shall I do then with Jesus? an old hymn we used to sing Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall friendless forsaken betrayed by all hearken what meaneth the sudden call what will you do with Jesus Jesus is standing on trial still you can be false to him if you will you can be faithful through good or ill what will you do with Jesus Will you evade him as Pilate tried, or will you choose him whate'er betide? Vainly you struggle from him to hide, what will you do with Jesus? Will you like Peter, your Lord deny, or will you scorn from his foes to fly? Daring for Jesus to live or die, what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart may be asking, what will he do with me? 
solemn hymn that. Daring for Jesus to live or die. What will you do with Jesus? They'd ask, what will we do then with the God of Israel? And they said, let us tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. What they wanted, they wanted to get rid of God. Get rid of God, put God back in his place. And you know, you meet people today and that's their attitude. We can put God in his place. We put God where, where we want him to be. We keep him for Sunday. You keep him for Easter. You keep him for Christmas. You keep him for funerals. You keep him for weddings. You keep him for baptisms. Oh yes, God's all right in those places. So long as he doesn't intrude onto our everyday life. And you know, we as Christians can be a little bit like that as well. Just putting God into the situations and parts of our lives where we think it's the right thing. Religion and God are all right in their own place. That's what these people are saying. Let's put this God back in his own place. We don't want him. And then they said, well, we'll do that. And we'll also give him a present. A trespass offering. They thought that they could make things. These little ornaments of the problems that they had and give them to God so like many people today they think that they by doing material things can please God offerings of gold and our works things like that but you know the Bible tells us that all our righteousnesses all the best things we can do are as filthy rags filthy rags a sin-sick world cannot do anything to please a holy God. We're dead in sins. And then we know the story so well, don't we? They got these two cows. And they, they made a new cart and they put the, the, the ark on top of the cart and they, they locked up the two calves and then they got the, the, these little golden ornaments and, and trespass offerings as they thought and put them in a little uh, container with all the mice, all the little models of the mice and then let the cows go and the lords of the Philistines watched to see what happened and the 20 miles the cows drove straight to the border and straight to this town of Beth Shemesh. And the men were out in the fields, in the valley, and over the hill came this cart. What a sight it must have been. They recognized immediately the Ark of the Covenant on the cart. They looked to see who was, there was nobody. The cows were coming on their own. Nobody directing them. Nobody leading them. And they came down the, the, the road and they stopped. Right in front of this big stone. What an amazing thing. And the men realized 
And you know, they also realized that this was the Ark of the Covenant. So they got the Levites, who happened to be there, they got them out and they said, it's the Levites' job to move this. They lifted the Ark, put it in on top of the stone. And then they were so delighted to see the Ark of the Covenant back again in Israel that they took it down and they offered a burnt offering in thankfulness for the return of the Ark. Oh, they did the right thing. They thanked God that the Ark was back. Where, well, it was back in the country at least where it should be. The five lords of the Philistines were, were at the border and they watched to see what was happening and they saw that the, cow, the cows had brought the, the ark back and they were satisfied because they said, you see, they'd worked it out. They said, if it works out that they go back and bring the ark back, we'll know that it was the God of Israel that caused all the problems to us. But if they don't go back and they stroll around the countryside and keep coming back for their calves, well then we'll know that it was only by chance that the plague of mice came and the plague of emeralds. But they saw that it was the hand of God upon them. And so they went back. But sadly, after giving thanks to God for the return of the ark, in some way, in some way, curiosity must have got the better of the men of Beth Shemesh. Maybe it was a good intention. Maybe they said, we, we wonder, have these chaps been messing around with the, with the ark in some way? So they had a look inside. They couldn't. That was the only very rarely did anybody ever open the ark and it was only the job of the high priest and God smote them down verse 20 no going back a bit God judged them and slew with a great slaughter and what effect did that have on the men of Beth Shemesh they were so glad to have God back in their midst as they thought. But look what it said in verse 20. Who is able. To stand. Before. A holy God. Who is able to stand. Before this. Holy. Lord God. But then they followed that up by saying. To whom. Shall he go up from us? We want to get rid of him. We want to get rid of the Ark of the Covenant. They had disobeyed God. They knew the ordinance. They knew because they had Levites there. And they knew that the Levites were the only ones who could carry the Ark. But as soon as God judged them, let's get rid of him. Who's going to take him? You know, way back in Numbers we saw that God said to Moses, I wish to dwell amongst my people. And now his people were saying, 
The same people that he wanted to dwell amongst, he wanted to come down and dwell amongst them, he was, they were saying now, who will take the ark? To whom shall he go? To whom shall he go? It's not to whom shall the ark go. It says to whom shall he go up from us in verse 20. They wanted to get rid of God. They weren't prepared to live according to God's rules and God's standards. And when they didn't and God judged them then they wanted to get rid of God. How challenging that is for us. God is a holy God. He will not allow mere man to treat holy things lightly. We see now and again in scripture God talks about men treating the ordinance and the things of God lightly. God will not allow us to treat holy things lightly. Something I must learn. Something we all must learn. No, there are things which have been hidden for years. The mystery of the gospel. The church, the whole picture of the church was a mystery. Hidden by, from, from the people in the Old Testament but revealed in the New Testament. In 1 Peter 1 it tells us that there are things which the angels would love to look into. 1 Peter 1 verse 11. Uh, going back a bit of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you searching what or what manner the time of the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow for unto whom it was revealed and not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel. The, the Old Testament prophets didn't, didn't know about the, the, the concept of the church. I've preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels, the angels desire to look into. There are also holy things which into which we may or dare not look into. You know, we, we end up with people having these ridiculous arguments about where did God come from and all. God is a holy God. We, there are things about God that we will, that will not be revealed to us until we get to heaven. The glory, the full glory of the Lord Jesus Christ will be revealed, it says. We'll see his glory sometime. But at the moment we won't. Now we see through at last darkly. But then face to face. Then we, Now we know in part. But then we shall know even as also we are known. There are things which we see now darkly. They will be revealed to us at some time. And when people looked into the ark. They were trying to look into the very nature and being of God. And God says no. You don't do that. The gospel was hidden for the, the prophets. They didn't know about it. Even the mystery, it says, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints. 
hidden in God these things and then revealed. The glory of Christ will be revealed. In Mark 4.11 it said, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Certain things are revealed to us, certain things are not revealed. In 2 Peter 3 verse 16, John 3.16, 2 Peter 3.16, what does it say? And also, in all his epistles, Paul was speaking, in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand now even Peter writing about the writings of Paul says that some of the things that Paul wrote about was, were hard to understand but because they were hard to understand he says which they that are unlearned and unstable twist about as they do also other scriptures unto their own destruction People will twist and argue about doctrines in scripture but let's get a knowledge of these doctrines into our hearts. Let's get the Holy Spirit to reveal them to us so that we know what the Bible is actually saying. Let us not twist them for our own arguments and our own advantages. Because that's what was happening in Peter's time about Paul's writings. So it's up to us to study the word of God. We know that we see things through a glass darkly. But someday it will all be revealed. Let's not get bowed down in useless genealogies it says in other, in other places. Now during all this thing that was happening back in Israel... We don't know where Samuel was. We, we don't know where he, where he was. We, there's no mention of Samuel. But eventually, at the start of chapter 7, the people of Kirjath Jerem came down and they took the ark back to their place. And this man, Abinadab, put his son in charge of it. Israel was still in bondage to the Philistines during this time. Why? Because God was not in his proper place in the center of Israel. Shiloh. Should have been at Shiloh. And they were still under bondage. Are we still under bondage to sin in our lives? Why? Because God is not in his proper place. God is not in his proper place in this story. For 20 years, the ark was pushed into a little village. One man looking after it. It's an amazing story. But then it says, for 20 years, and then, all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. All the men of Israel lamented after the Lord. This was the start of something new. And we look at chapter 7 some other day. See 
what a wonderful thing happened. But in chapter 6, Israel was still in bondage to the Philistines because God was not being honored. God was not in his proper place. In my life, if I am under bondage, if I am miserable, if I'm not living a victorious Christian life, speak this to myself. Why? It's because God is not in his proper place in my life. What a story of disaster this whole story about the ark of God was. It was a complete mess. Why? Because God was not in his proper place in the lives of the Israelites. Is my life a mess? Have I no joy? Have I no victory? Why? Is God in his proper place in my life? 